Ronananian. A future driverless car using holographic displays for dash controls and buttons and things you turn on. Leave me aboard. Energize. Energize. The Car Doctor. And you look at it and you say, isn't that from Star Trek Voyager? You know, you look at the electronics and the technology, and naturally the first thought I've got is, who's going to afford it? Who's going to fix it? Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. hey Ronnie Ronnie and the Car Doctor here, 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions. And uh, talk to you about your automobile. More information, of course, cardoctorshow.com. Podcast there. Podcast and all the usual suspect places around the Internet and the world. Tune in, iHeart, iTunes. Uh, just click subscribe if you can. If you've got a player that supports a subscription-based uh, thing, it's, it's free. We're just looking for you. If you click subscribe, it automatically gets delivered to your doorstep and uh, helps us out with our sponsors and uh, helps us to exist as we have these many years. So we appreciate that and all that you do. And um, if you need me during the week, Ron at cardoctorshow.com. I've uh, I've been known to uh, reach out via email. Heck, I've been known to pick up the phone. Um, you know, many people have uh, gone to lunch, and uh, they've gotten back, and there's that voicemail going, and that was me. So anyway, um, we are here to talk about your car, talk about your car and its problems, and um, all that that entails. So uh, I look forward to talking to you this hour and uh, many, many hours more to come. Hey, the... Um, Top 10 most expensive car. No, I don't want to talk about that, actually. I want to, I, I'll want talk about that a little bit. I was reading an article about the top 10 most expensive car models to repair. Um, it's interesting what's at the top of the list. Well, I'll tell you what, the top five, the the, the number five most, and I should have read this last hour. I, I was looking at it during the pause. We just came in from the second hour over the top of the hour break. The number five most expensive car to repair, and this is out of, uh, what magazine is this out of? Ratchet and Wrench. It's a mechanics journal. Um uh, they're citing the 10 most expensive cars, and let's see, number, here we'll start at the top. The number 10 most expensive car to repair in the country right now is a midsize Chevy Malibu. Average cost uh, um, to maintain is $1,633. Uh, who is this done by? Wait a minute. Let me, let me read the whole article so I look like I know what I'm doing. Um, oh, I'm sorry. This is by RepairPal. RepairPal conducted a study on the average cost of common auto repairs for the most popular cars in the U.S. using a proprietary database Water Repair Pricing Repair Pal calculated the average cost of four common repairs. Water pump alternator, brake pads, and oil change on 40 popular 2010 car models. The survey found Hyundai to have a higher MPG and the most affordable average cost of repairs. The Volkswagen Jetta and Mitsubishi Lancer are both on the most expensive list and cost more to repair than most luxury models and all the SUVs. So that being said, on the scales, Chevrolet Malibu came in at number 10. Infiniti G37 came in at number 9. Mitsubishi Lancer, number 8. Really? Mercedes-Benz came in. A Mercedes-Benz C300 came in at number seven. A BMW came in at number six. The number five most expensive car to repair in this survey, Volkswagen Passat. What does that say about Volkswagen? Volkswagen costs more to repair than a BMW and a Mercedes. I wonder if that accounts for the tow truck that they have to get the car back into the, to drag it into the, right? You know, it's like, I wonder if that covers it, you know? And the um, the cost of having the owner standing on the side of the road waiting in the chair um, lounging. Um, let's see. Volkswagen Jetta was number four. 
Lexus IS250 was number three. And Audi was number two. That's German engineering. And the most expensive car to repair in this class was a Lincoln MKZ luxury vehicle in the luxury class. But I can't get over Volkswagen. The uh, Jetta and the Passat were in the top five of most expensive cars to repair out of that survey. So, like, wow, what are they thinking? Um, that's just uh, that's just kind of mind-boggling. Anyway, let's kick the garage doors open. There was something I was going to talk about, but I'll be darned if I know what it was. So I'll just keep rolling along because I've learned sound on radio is very important. Let me keep talking. Let me uh, go over and talk to Lloyd, who's waiting very patiently there in Louisiana way with a Ford pickup and uh, a misfire problem. Lloyd, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Uh, I've replaced a, well, I took, I took the truck to the auto parts. They put the data uh, recorder on it. Okay. And it said that uh, number seven cylinder, uh, the coil was not firing. So I bought another one put it on, and still the same thing. Okay. Uh, so I took and put it on number eight and put eight on number seven, and now then the uh, data recorder says that seven and eight is not working. What's going on? Okay. Well... And it- uh, let me say this. It's, uh, it's got a slight miss in it, and it wants to bog down if I if I put my foot in it and get it on up to a speed of 45 or 50 miles an hour, it does fine. But if I, uh, if I grandpa it, just let it kick into each gear, it, it wants to bog down okay. and start uh, kicking in. First, first, like of, I was riding a mule. first of all, Lloyd, that scan tool that plugged into the under dash connector. What what year was this truck? Yes, sir. What year was this truck? Ninety one. A ninety one. Ninety one B ten. With coil. Ninety one B ten Ford. With coil packs. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, uh, we'll fix it. We'll fix. We'll fix it as it's still a car. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I said 91. Uh, I was talking to you about 91, uh, listening to you about uh, you has been in the deal since 91. It's a 2001. I'm 2001. sorry. That's okay. 2001. That's all right. I, I'm, I'm, but you know what? I Okay, we're good. 2001. So a misfire. What, what, what the scan tool is saying, it, it had a P0307. All right, from my seat here. And a P0307 says there is a misfire on cylinder 7. It's not saying ignition coil. There's two parts to this problem, Lloyd. All right? Um, so a, a P0307 is a misfire. Do you have a small engine? Do you have a, you have a lawnmower? You, you mow the lawn? You use a, use a, use a snow right, thrower, right. et cetera? Okay? If, sure. that, if that had a miss... You know, what could it be? It could be the spark plug is fouled. It could be a problem with the carburetor that's fuel. It could be a problem with the cylinder that's mechanical. All three of those conditions would cause a misfire. Same thing with the engine on the, in the truck. It's just a bigger It's just a bigger lawnmower engine. It's just got eight cylinders. So when it says, well, when it says, right, when it, well, okay, 10. When it says misfire on cylinder seven, it's just saying that there's a miss. It's not saying it's the coil. The general assumption is always that it's the coil because oh. that's people's interpretation. So it could be the injector. Then. Could be the injector. It could be mechanical. It could be the spark plug. It could be a vacuum leak. 
it could be that a mouse chewed through the wiring harness feeding the trigger going to the coil for number seven. That's there's what a, I was thinking also. There's a ton of things here. All right? Okay. So uh, Let me ask you this. Go uh, ahead. Am I going to have uh, a big problem uh, on uh, changing valve cover caskets? I saw that number five, uh, uh, where the spark plug is, that uh, it's sitting in a little bit of oil. It's a little bit of work, but let's go. Let's go back over and let's 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 finish with this number seven and number eight conversation. So right, right. you you bought a new coil, stuck it in number seven, and had the same result. Now you swap right. you swap number seven with number eight, which is the right move. Start moving it around. If you have no test equipment, that's where you're going to go. And now you've got a misfire on two cylinders. Okay. Correct. Hopefully, you're marking these coils before you take them out of the head. Just take a magic marker yes. and swab. Yep, perfect. Then let's take that number seven coil that's now in number eight. Just just to be as certain as we can be, let's take that number seven coil and move it somewhere else. All right. Okay. If that coil shows a dead hole on that cylinder, you know, let's say you move it to number one, then you've learned the hard way that you know what new stands for. You know what new stands for? Never ever worked, and that, yeah. that that new coil is no good. All right, so now you're going to take that coil back to the parts store. Was it a, was it a white box part? Was it the house brand, or was it a, was it a, was a was it a Motocraft piece, or what what was it? Do you know? Uh, it, uh, at AutoZone. Yeah. Okay. Was it a was it their house brand? Was it cheap? Ah, uh, gee, I, I I don't even remember. I've, I've been having this problem for. Uh, uh, almost a little over two months. Now. Yeah, you don't remember what you paid for it? Twenty bucks, thirty bucks, forty bucks, fifty bucks? Oh no, it was uh, fifty, uh, fifty-eight dollars. Yeah, it should have been a decent quality, but doesn't mean doesn't mean necessarily that's always the case. But you know, new doesn't mean good. So let's verify first right. of all: is that coil good or bad? All right. If that coil's bad, you got to get another one. All right. But the fact that number eight cylinder is now in number seven. And that and that cylinder is dead. If that's the case, then we've got a problem on that cylinder other than the physical coil. Just because the coil's in the hole doesn't mean it's getting triggered properly. Doesn't mean that it's got signal from the computer. Doesn't mean that the injector is firing. Doesn't mean, you know, there's a lot of what ifs here. So you know, first things first, let's figure out the coil. Once you get past that. Then we've got to have a conversation. Do we have a fouled plug? Do we have a, a, an injector problem? Do we have signal to the coil? All right. And for that, you're going to need some test equipment. And if you don't have it, then you're going to have to find a shop that does that has the ability to diagnose and pin this down. Does that make sense? All right. Um, can, I, can I just put uh, a um, uh, VOM? meter voltometer oh if you've got a cross if you've got a, if you've got a, if you've got a digital voltometer yeah we want to see power on one side but you're not going to a, a dvom isn't going to be fast enough to see the trigger point all right okay but what you could do um if you want it to be daring and i've done this is i will take a known good coil plug it into the uh connector harness Take a spark plug up the coil boot, ground the spark plug, use a test spark plug if you want. Does it fire? And if it if it fires, if, if it fires, then 
I, I know at least I've got spark on that cylinder. I've got to look elsewhere. If it doesn't fire and doesn't trigger, and I've got power on the coil on the one leg of the coil, then I've got a problem with the Good. signal. Perhaps the driver in the PCM is bad. Okay. All right, sir. Try those things. I don't want to get too far ahead of you. Try those things. Then call me back next week. Let me know how you're making out. We'll go from there. I appreciate it. Thank All right, you, well, you have yourself a yeah, good day. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Annie in the car, doctor, waiting here for your call. I'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, 855-560-9900 is the phone number. Give us a call. Keep in mind that's toll-free. That's also 24-7. If we're not on the air, we're live Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time as we go out across the affiliates for the weekend. Uh, you can call us Saturday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. If Even if we're not on in your neighborhood or even if we're not on at that time on your affiliate, you can uh, call Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m., 855-560-9900. And we'll pick up the phone because we're here live in studio and um, we're here to talk to you about your car and its problem. Also, if you're looking for this radio show, you don't want to podcast it. You can't get it because you're not on an affiliate. It's streaming from the server uh, right over there on the south wall um, over there. Tom Ray keeps an eye on it all the time to make sure that it's up and streaming and moving. It's um, it's uh, whatever it is. It's neutrons and protons and all that other stuff. Jay, I love that kind of talk. Um, out over the airwaves. So uh, it's there for you at cardoctorshow.com. You'll find the stream. Let's get over to Tyler, Oklahoma City. I guess that's Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, huh? See, I went to school. And uh, see what's going on here. 01 Honda Civic. Hey, Tyler, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Uh, thanks for having me. You're um, welcome, sir. Okay, I have this. It's, I'm in college, and this is my commuter car across okay. town. And. Uh, in the mornings, I can't get it to start um, without starter putting starter fluid in the breather. Okay. Um, well, at least you have, at least it, you have a, at least you have a valid excuse for why you're late for that nine o'clock class all the time. You know, listen, right. man, I, I was out of ether that day, professor. I I could, you know, it's more original than the dog ate my homework. Um, you know, um, but every time you hit it with ether, it fires right up. Right, and uh, once it warms up, you know, and even after class, after it's been sitting for a while, it'll start right up. It's like just when the engine's dead cold, it uh So it's an eight-hour, we'll call it an eight-hour soak period. If it's right. if, if it's eight hours of cold, uh, you know, if it's if it's a half a day, it seems to be fine. Right, okay. and uh, I, I have a scan tool, and I scanned it, and it doesn't have any codes or anything. All right. And uh, I've replaced, like, the battery and the fuel filter and the uh, coolant temp sensor, um, but uh, nothing seems to have worked. So. Okay. So does your scan tool show data stream, Tyler? No, it's just a basic code uh, reader scan tool. All right. Yeah. So um, let me ask you this. Do you have the old coolant temp sensor? Yes, I do. Where did you buy the one that's in the car? Where would you get that one from? Uh, O'Reilly's. Okay. Um, nothing against it. It's just that I- I'm trying to diagnose a problem. And listen, you could buy a new one right from Honda. 
and you yeah. know we know what new means. So I prefer that you put the old coolant temp sensor back in it, as painful as that might be. All right, just so we're working from the same page. Where, okay. where, where I would go with this is there's there's a couple of things I want to check. All right, um, I, I'd love it if your scan tool had um, data stream because I'd like to see coolant temp was a good thought, but I'd like to see what the coolant temperature actually is. Now, the, okay. car, the car has an intake air temp sensor, so if it's, I don't know, what's the weather like in Oklahoma City today? What's the temperature out there? Uh, it's like 28 degrees. Okay. So if, if the car sits for eight hours and you turn the key on but don't start it and look at it on a scan tool, the intake air temp sensor will read 28 degrees, and the coolant temp sensor should be within five degrees of that. All right? Okay. If it's 10, 12, 15, 20 degrees apart, uh, we got a problem. Somebody's somebody's lying. Now, if the intake air temp sensor says eight degrees and it's really eighteen or twenty-eight where you are, then it's the intake circuit. But if the coolant temp sensor is the one that's at fault and you've tested or replaced the sensor in this case and it still shows wrong, something is askew. You know, problem in the circuit, problem in, in a connection, something like that. Once we get past that. Then the next thing I'm going to look for on this is, uh, you know, it's all about fuel pressure. How long does it take for fuel pressure to build? You know, what sort of volume does it have? And what sort of warm running pressure does the pump have? When you okay. w- when you get in the car cold and, you know, when you put your head down on the steering wheel and pray, oh, gosh, I hope my homework was good enough last night so I can get to school and get the heck out, um, and you listen quietly as you turn the key on, do you hear the fuel pump run? Yeah, I can hear it prime. Okay, so it primes. So the next question is, what's that actual pressure? See, the fact... Yeah, I don't, the, I don't the, have the, the pressure fa- tool. Right. Well, the fact that you're giving it ether, ether is fuel, it's looking for fuel. All right? Right. The only other thing you could try, trying to diagnose this on a college kid's budget, is have you cracked the throttle plate? Have you just, you know, touched the, touched the throttle plate just a little bit to see if that makes a difference in the way it starts? Uh well I mean yeah I, honestly that would work for a little while and it it seems um, if it's warmer outside I mean sometimes if I crank it for a minute it'll start up reluctantly okay um, but it when it's cold there's just no chance of all it. right do this then the last thing I want you to check do you have a spark tester of some kind yeah okay did you check spark when it's cold. Uh, I have, and it, it gets sparked. All of them, all four have sparked. Okay, but it doesn't have a good, strong spark. Will it jump the gap? I'll tell you what, Tyler, stay put. I want to come back to this when I return. I'm Ron Anning, the car doctor. We'll be back to Tyler in Oklahoma City right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back. We're on the name of the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. More at cardoctorshow.com. Tyler, you're still there? Yeah, I'm still here. We're talking to Tyler out in Oklahoma City. Tyler, you know, where I was thinking this needs to go is when it goes into this no-start condition, have you tested it for spark when it goes into no-start? Uh, No, I actually haven't. Okay. I, I, no, not when it hasn't started. So let's replicate the condition. Let's check it for spark when it's in a no-start condition. Let's make sure it has spark. And the reason you want to use a spark tester, which was the right thing to do, what do you have, the the spark plug with the little uh, alligator with clips? With a little light. Um, yeah. 
Okay, do you have, but is it an adjustable gap so you can set it to 20, 30, 40,000 volts and so on? Uh, no, it's just like the basic one that's got the, you know, the two connectors and the light in the middle. Oh, so you have a, you have a Noid light. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. Okay. No, you want a spark tester. You want, you want, go down to, you you said you had an O'Reilly Auto Parts by you? Yeah. So get down to O'Reilly Auto Parts. Tell them you want a spark tester. What we're looking for is something that's either going to look like a spark plug with a little alligator clip soldered to the side, all right, or it's going to be about an inch and a half long black piece of plastic with an end that'll plug into the coil connector, and the other end is the alligator clip, and it's in an adjustable gap, and it, there's a scale on it. You open it up, it's 20, 30, 40,000 volts. Now you can adjust and stress the coil out. What you're looking at, it sounds like what you're looking at is the driver's side. You're seeing that the coil's being triggered. doesn't mean the yeah. coil's firing. You're, oh, okay. Okay? It, all that means is, you know, it's, it's kind of like, uh, um, you know, somebody tells you to do something. How do they know you did it until they actually saw it was done? So you know we want to we we want to see this actually happen, all right. So let's do that. Chances are it is, but then we can take spark off the ta- off off the table, all right. Okay. Once spark comes off the table, yeah, the next place I'm going to go is really I want to look at fuel pressure. You know, you hear the pump run. How how much pressure does it have, and how long does it take to get there? All right. Am I going to have to take that to like a mechanic? Yeah. Or is probably- there any? No, nah, there's 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 no quick easy way for that, and okay. you know so you know I'm sure as a college student you're on a budget you're gonna have to find somebody yeah. you're gonna have to ask around and find somebody, but it's a reasonable test. It's not you know it's it's maybe an hour shop time by the time they got to unplug everything and 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 connect it all up. But um, uh, you know that's part of the process. This could be a bad fuel pump, not completely uncommon because we want to know what fuel pressure is. It should be around forty forty two psi. And then we want to see how long does it hold fuel pressure, all right? Okay. Does it have some kind of residual pressure? It should hold fuel pressure typically 15, 20 minutes. Let me ask you this. Have you tried crank, no start, crank, no start, crank, no start? Does it eventually start short bursts? Uh, well, like I said, uh, I mean, if I do that when it's warmer and, you know, just a couple months ago, it's just gotten worse it when i bought it you know it's got over two hundred thousand miles on it it's, right it's been used um when i first got it it would it would take you know four or five revolutions before it would crank over and then it's just you know gotten more and more but it seemed like uh you know i don't know if it was just the problem getting worse or you know when it was warmer in the fall right but it it would start um, after I would, you know, I didn't want to burn the starter, so I'd crank, 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 and then stop, let the fuel pump prime, you know, crank, crank, and then eventually it would start. Right, because it, 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 it sounds like it's it's starving for fuel from my right. seat yeah, here. Right, yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. Right, it sounds like it's starving for fuel, and then at that point, what you've got to do is, you know, why? Is it is it a, I've seen voltage problems to the pump, I've seen... Bad pumps. I've seen fuel pressure regulators cause issues, so that's that's this is where the fuel pressure test becomes invaluable. Could it uh, be some other sensor? Yeah, it could, could be. It, the problem is to play woulda, coulda, shoulda, and I can I can play that game all day long. The problem is without a scan tool to read it, you're never going to find it because remember, in order for it to set a code, it's got to be outside the spec 
of what the vehicle manufacturer finds to be bad. But if it's if it's right on the borderline, then you know until it actually passes that that point in the in the scale chart, it's not going to flag and set a code. Okay. All right, sir. But there are no yep. there are no codes in this vehicle. No, no codes. Okay. All right. It it runs great once it's going and it never you know bogs down or right anything like that. Uh, but you gotta yeah, go to getting f- it started in the cold morning is tough. Got to got to look at fuel pressure next. And listen, it may not be fuel pressure, but you know what? One of the things I learned a long time ago is fuel pressure is the most overlooked, and it's the it's just it's just a necessary part of the process. You just got to know what it is. Um, other than that, you're just guessing. All right, okay. sir. All right, thank you. You're very welcome. Good luck to you in your studies, and uh, you give us a call if you need anything else. Um, fuel pressure is critical, and you know, even though it's tough on that car to check fuel pressure, it's not the easiest. I- I'm still floored by uh, mechanics would call me. They've got problems with cars. Schrader test valves right on the top fuel rail. It's literally three minutes to plug in and hook up. They haven't they haven't checked fuel pressure. No. It, it, because they know it's not fuel pressure. You know what? I never know what it is not is. You know what? I know what it is when it's fixed, but until I know it, until I fix it, I don't know what it not is. So I'm going to test everything because that's how you get to know where things are and what they, what they, um, what they appear to be. Let's pull over and take the pause. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. When we return, we're going to go talk to Maureen in New York City, O three Pontiac Grand Am. So you guys stay tuned. I'll be back right after this. I'm Ron Anini in the car doctor. Turn to talk. Ron and Andy in the car, Doctor, 855-560-9900. Let's get back to the busy phones and go talk to Maureen in New York City, 03 Pontiac Grand Dam. Maureen, welcome to the car, yeah, Doctor. Uh, yes, hi, ma'am. Ron. Thanks hi, how are you? Good. Call. You're welcome. How can I help? Yeah, um, how should I put this? I got two opinions on this, actually. Uh, the first opinion, uh, the car needs a intake gasket, I, uh, uh, an intake, and it was quite high, the price over well over a thousand dollars right the second opinion uh was a more like a local mechanic who i've been going to for a long time and i sort of trust he said well yeah you have that verified it he verified it an intake gasket i think that's what it's called he said uh well just leave it because it's going to be too too much of a too too difficult to correct or some I think those were his words. Hmm. My question is, well, can I leave it because um, it, it, or is there another alternative? Like I was looking on the internet about sealant, sealant. Well, let me, let me let me ask you this, Maureen. What what started this? You need an intake manifold conversation. Were you complaining about something, or did you go in for no, service? No, no, I wasn't complaining. I just brought it in for a simple diagnostic check. Uh, doc- oh yeah, I did feel heat under my feet, but that was after I was running the heater for a while. So, um, so wait a minute. So- I wasn't really. Really so, complaining about anything. Okay. Uh, oh well, after I parked the car and got out, I smelled gasoline in the back. But I, I think with cars that age, that's normal. 
Well, no, no car you should have gasoline smell anywhere. So okay. So let's 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 back up the truck a minute. All no, right? but the exhaust system is safe in that car. I I did have it checked. Okay, but let's 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 have this conversation. It's an 03. The car is 14 years old. Before you spend any real money on this, the place that told you you needed the intake gasket first and it was $1500 or whatever it was. Yeah. Um dealership, do you trust them? Do you know who they are? Do you know what they are? No, the second one said that it was just to leave it. Okay, but the fir- the one was- that the one that gave you the higher price, who is they? The dealers, the the, uh, the the first one who said didn't say to leave it. He he said he he said uh, you should get it fixed. Right. Uh, eventually. Right. Eventually. He said you should get it fixed. Was that yeah. the, was that the dealer? Was that a mechanic you go no, to? No, that, that wasn't the mechanic that I've been going to for years. Okay, no. who was that? Was that the dealership it, or was that an independent it, it repair was, shop? Uh, it was a, uh, it was Sunrise Chevrolet. Okay, it was like and that's, a that's fine. So my, my, my point is that these particular engines did go through intake gaskets, all right? It wasn't uncommon. The issue is at what point and where and when does it fail, all right? And, yes, an intake gasket is very important. It's, it's the ham between the two slices of bread, all right. If you don't put ham between the two slices of bread, it's no longer a sandwich. If you don't have an if you don't have a gasket between the intake manifold and the cylinder head, you don't have an engine. And the point becomes that at some point that gasket will fail. Is it is it worth doing? I'd have to look at this from a mechanical perspective, not because as your mechanic said, it's too difficult a job. Degree of difficulty has no bearing on whether or not something needs to be done. The laws of physics are the laws of physics. If the gasket is deteriorating, and my suspicion is it is, it's probably starting to leak coolant and oil, which would not be uncommon, then you know at some point the commitment or the decision to replace the vehicle has to be made. My concern is when you say you smell gasoline at the rear of the car, are you saying gasoline or are you saying you smell exhaust? Um, I know. I, I'm smelling exhaust. Okay. Big difference. All right. Okay. Yes. You're going to smell exhaust from the rear of the car. Right. All right. So, mm-hmm. so here's, here's the answer. All right. The answer is that, you know, your mechanic or somebody that you trust has to do an evaluation on the vehicle. What kind of overall shape is this 14 year old car in? How are the brake lines? How are the front suspension rubber bushings? How are and what if and are there any major oil leaks, transmission fluid leaks, things like that? Because you're well, may I say something? Yeah, absolutely. Um, he there are there are no other problems with the car. I never had a problem with this car. I was shocked to hear this diagnosis. Okay, how many miles are on the car? Sixty. 65,000. Okay. 60, a over. If it's 65,000 miles and it's got a leaky intake gasket, at some point it will fail, plain and simple, and you've got to decide, <laughs> do you want to do you want to replace it and avoid the problem or do you want to just drive it and take the gamble? It's there's no magic pill here. Well, what would happen if I drive it and take a gamble? Would I get like a fire, an engine fire? You could. You could also uh-huh. lo- you could also lose all the coolant. You could develop an oil leak. You could do serious engine damage without a fire. You could, I mean, there's a couple of different scenarios. You're, 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 basically, okay. you're, you're basically asking me, you know, if you walk across this, this, this tightrope without a safety net, 
in a high wind, what are the chances you're going to make it and what could happen to you on the way down? A lot of things. So you suggest that I get it repaired. Right. Provided the rest of <laughs> provided the rest of the car justifies the repair. It's 14 years old. That's well, not quite 14, but you know. Yeah. Well, okay. okay. 13, let's not split hairs. All right, but it's 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 close enough that it's 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 just something to think about. All right. Again, it depends upon degree of severity. All right. If your mechanic had come back to you and said it's not that bad, all right, I could I could buy that. But for your mechanic to come back to you and say it's not worth doing because it's too difficult to do, that's that's kind of a scary statement, so I would ask him he, to... He told me just to leave it. Yeah, but, And this is the mechanic that I trusted, so it's... Right. And but, everything else is working on the car. Right, I understand that. But you know what? This is like this is like who you want to vote for to become president. Not that this is a good okay. analogy. You, so, can't, you, can't, you can't believe what everybody says and just vote for him on that basis. You've got to look at the overall picture. And, and that's well, really can, the bottom line. I'll leave it for a couple of months. And like two or three months, and then I'll I'll consider repairing it. Right, but if you want to be safe in that car, especially in the warmer weather, you want to get that repaired. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Martin Annie, the car doctor. I'll be back right after this. This car is automatic, it's systematic, it's hydromatic, why it's greased lightning. Welcome back, Ron and the Car Doctor. Let's get over and talk to Art in Maine, 07 Nissan Armada. Hey, Art, how are you, sir? How can I help? Hi, Ron, how you doing? Good. What's going on? Okay, I have an 07 Armada with 158,000 miles. I've had it for about three years. Uh, it has always been deal of service until I bought it. Uh, besides fluid changes, what would you recommend to extend uh, the life of the car? Oh, I uh, think... My financial situation and also my lo- location uh, pro- uh, prohibits me from going to a dealer. Right. You know, it, it's all about fluids at this stage and age, right. Art. Um, the biggest thing I see, this is, a, this is a, what, a V6 Armada? No, that's the 5.6 V8. Okay, this is the V8. This is a timing chain motor, though, correct? Uh, no, I was going to ask you that. I'm not I, sure. I, yeah, I think this is a chain motor. This is, I, I think, all the Nissans of this generation are. I'm always, I'm always okay. suspect of Nissans as they age about chains, guides, and tensioners. Big buck job, okay. and it, it, it can, yeah. it can break the bank, but it does have to be considered for longevity. Uh, the issue okay. is on a Nissan. The reason I'm very cautious is. M- their motors in the last 15 years, if not longer, are interference fit. And if something yes. breaks, you're done. Yeah. So, you know, you've got to look into that. And probably the best way to know whether or not it needs a chain, the simplest way, other than the name badge on the side, is when you start it up and drive it, how loud is it? Does it howl? Does it have a whine okay. to it? Does it sound like a supercharger, like you're behind a, a, a New yep. York City commuter bus, for lack of a better way to explain it? If, okay. it, if it's got that whine to it, then, chance, okay. then chances are the chain, the the, the chains it's and the right. tensioners are a problem. Um, yes. Do you have access to Facebook art? Uh, yes. Go out to the Car Doctor Facebook page, and it's probably okay. a couple of posts back. But I put up some pictures about a uh, about an Xterra 
I just did a set of chains and tensioners on, and um, okay. it, it's just amazing when you look at how the the shoe or the guide is worn down the better part of a quarter okay. of an inch. It's just like, wow, because they make well, it out of cheap nylon. Um, I was going to ask you, this is nylon. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I know. I used to have a Suzuki dealership a long right. time ago, and you know they all had chain-driven uh, camshafts. Right. And you could tell how they uh, how loose they were by rotating the crank and watching the uh, end of the cams. Yeah. Okay, and if you got more than, uh, you know, I don't know, a couple of degrees uh, lost motion there, you know that it was bad. Right. You know, and in this case, it's just, you, you can tell by the howl and the whine. But other than that, um, you know, I would be aware of the radiator. Nissan's had their radiators, radiator issues. These aren't as bad, but some of the Nissan's go through trans coolers inside the radiator and creates antifreeze and transmission issues. Other than that, catalytic converters, be aware. But other than that, you should be uh, good to go. I got to go. I'm running the car, doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.